Shut up. What? I, it is a. Why did you squint? I didn't. When I said read that, and then you, you did this. Well, because which is I can't. I mean, for you, people that can't see what I just because was doing. Because the, you're the, wearing glasses. The ink you use. I can't what? read it. It's, it's in big letters. It's pink ink, though. I can't read it. It doesn't. It doesn't stand out on the paper. Really? It doesn't. I don't. Think. Anyhow, it's Blair and Barker. Sportsnet 590, the fan. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays beat the... My Toronto Blue Jays. Your Toronto Blue Jays beat the bejesus out of the Boston Red Sox 9-3. But all we're going to talk about today is you say Kikuchi. No, just Holy moly. Beat the uh, Red Sox 9-3 last night in game one of a three-game series at Fenway Park. Ross Stripling raises his record to 6-3, six innings pitch, six hits, six strikeouts, one earned run. Uh, becoming fourth, a habit. It's becoming a habit. It is. Fourth time he's faced the Red Sox this year. Second time since the All-Star break. They didn't have an answer for him. This was Ross Stripling after the game talking about his pitch selection, pitch mix, things of that nature, Mr. Kennedy. Yeah, a little bit. You know, the second inning, uh, a double, and then Kike gets a hit up the middle, and, you know, one runs in with a man on first, nobody out. So, bear down there. Uh, you know, I, don't, I feel like my first four innings weren't clean. I, I, th- I feel like I had traffic and then kind of settled in after that, which was good. Um, you know, we feel good about the arsenal tonight. And, um, you know, it seemed like the righties were kind of looking out over, so started doing some more stuff inside. Uh, probably threw the most sinkers I've thrown in any outing this probably tonight. Um, you know, kind of going back to the Kike and the Royo start there in the second, both those were kind of like fastballs up out over. And they hit them really hard, so started doing some stuff on the inside part of the plate to the righties, and it seemed to then open up the outside a little bit more and just kind of playing, you know, tic-tac-toe with them that way tonight. Changeup is typically an out pitch for you, but did you almost use it like as a setup pitch tonight? Because it felt like a lot of swing and miss on the fastball and, and a lot of the slider as well. Yeah, I think I threw a more mid-count. So, yeah, that wasn't necessarily a plan, but that is kind of how it shook out. Um, you know, this is, I believe, the fourth time i faced these guys, second time here in Fenway since the All-Star break. So they're obviously pretty aware of what I do and like to do to them. So it was a little bit of a different wrangle. Um, you know, the two-seam and the change-up combo kind of mid-count, trying to get some early contact, get the ball put in play. So that's, um, yeah, you know, kind of how it worked out. Ross Stripling knows that he's doing, doesn't he, Kevin? He's a smart guy. Uh, uh, further to his point, uh, you know, you, there's a bunch of ways you can – look at the way a starting pitcher did that night and, and critique it and see exactly, you know, walking away what he needs to look at and adjust and all that things. Strike one. That's that's one of the main things. Everybody talks about that. Well, what did you do strike one? He faced 25 batters. He threw 20 strike ones. That, that's really good. You, you know, a lot of the times, too, uh, leading off an inning, you want to get that first guy in an inning. Makes it easier for your defense, keeps them on their toes. You know, makes it easier for you to get in a groove, pitching out of the stretch and the windup, whatever it is, however it is you want to do, but it keeps you in the flow. He was one for six. So most of the time he was getting that first out of an inning, which was a big deal, versus lefty. He, had, he faced three of them. He had eight at-bats. He only gave up two hits. The two hits were against that third baseman that everybody wants to pay Buku's of money to. Two outs was a big thing. Yeah, he mentioned the first four innings. For me, when I was watching, it was mainly the first three innings. The first three innings, he threw 54 pitches. He threw uh, he threw 15 batters. He gave up five hits. Now, he gave up six hits 
in six innings. Five of those were the first three innings, to his point, that that's a big deal. So it was mainly, for me anyway, when I was watching, velocity for whatever for whatever reason, early in the game, just wasn't there. Like, it was 88. Uh, I, know, I know he started saying that he was throwing more two-seamers, which he normally doesn't uh, do. He likes to, you know, mix quadrants of the four-seamer all around because he can throw that harder. Mm-hmm. And it's misses. if he misses with it, he would rather have the little extra gear to it right. than sort of the BP heater down the middle. And it just wasn't working. The velocity for me when I was watching that on the four-seamer just seems like it, for whatever reason, wasn't there. And that's why I think he was going to more of the – you know, the two-seamer, more movement. You know, not so much the velocity. Now, if I don't have it, now I need to add a little bit more uh, uh, movement to it. He he mentioned, what was it, the first inning there. He used to change up to get J.D. Martinez out. That might have been the best pitch or the biggest pitch he had all night because he's already won nothing. Say J.D. runs into one there. You know, it's 4 nothing. 4 nothing. Maybe his team's out of it because that team occasionally with, with the Blue Jays lineup is not great at coming back. They like now, front running. Oh, absolutely. They you do. know, one nothing, you can work with that. 4 nothing, that, that'd be a little tougher. Now Alex Cora can do a little face. He'd be a little bit more aggressive with his, with his you know, his pitching. It'd be a little easier for them to, to walk away with that game. So it was just a, I'm with you. Like, he just... Seems to when he don't have his changeup because I don't think he had it. He was trying to throw it enough to to keep them honest and try and get weak contact. Now it is a lot. JD Martinez is really struggling. Bogart's really struggling. Devers, I mean, he got a couple of hits, but you can tell like just some of the swings and fastball counts he's taken are just I I don't know. Like I I, I just it just makes you wonder about where the Red Sox are at as a as a team. And when you don't have your big three working the way they need their big three to work to make a run at it, it sort of looks this way. But, I mean, Ross, I I just don't know what you say about him anymore. Like, everything you've asked him to do. And well, when, when's the last time – I'll leave it this and you can go. I, when's the last time you could say he didn't have his velocity, didn't have his best changeup, and he still gave you six innings? It's just uh, – <laughs> With that said there, that's enough just to say. And I think, what did Pete Walker say when they were – that he is the MVP of their pitching staff? Yeah. Can you argue that? Oh, God, I'd hate to think where they would be without him. I mean, I, I, I really do. Uh, and, you know, to do to Fenway – to do to Fenway Park as well. Look, the Red Sox aren't very good, but um, it's still Fenway Park. So this, I'm going to ask you the question. Ross Stripling makes $3.79 million this year. Um, he's a free agent the end of the year. If you're the Blue Jays, don't you want him back? Which, uh, the question would be, would you give him three for 30? Yeah, I would in a heartbeat. The only the only thing I would, too. In a heartbeat. I, I would, too. Now, but I, I've got to we've you've also got to mention, also got to keep in mind that Alec Manoa, you know, you you renewed him. Last year, uh, or this year, I should say, you renewed him. At some point, the rubber meets the road maybe with him when it comes to being paid. So you're going to have to give maybe, him. Yeah, but three for thirty is a tax write-off. Like it's not like yeah, you know, no, the, no, the, the no, no. I'm not, the I'm not arguing Kikuchi against Kikuchi thing. That that's the Yusei Kikuchi thing. That may be a little where they they take a step back and go. You know, do we really trust what we're seeing from Ross Stripling? I think I do. Just because, I mean, he's, now he's got the kitchen sink. When you got the kitchen sink and you don't have to worry about mechanics, you can tell it is get the sign. And you see him shaking off now, which when you're shaking off and have as much confidence in doing the strike one and, you know, being efficient with the leadoff hitter 
that will tell you that mechanics thing is the least of his worries. Yeah. He's not even thinking about yeah. that. Now it's all about how sequencing and I'm setting this dude up and I want to eliminate him as quick as I can so I can get deeper in games. I, how much confidence do you have in that, that he can sustain that and continue to do it? And I will say, after last night's game, this is just me. I know he said he used to change up. I didn't think his change up seemed good. Like just, he, the arm speed on it, the location but of he's it. As much a lot as of the it, times it was non-competitive. He's as much as admitting that it, he used it to set up his other pitches. There it is. And he didn't have his velocity. Right. If if you have confidence that he didn't have those two things and he's still in the American League East on the road in Fenway Park, mm-hmm. gave you what he gave you? The uh, second game of that series goes tonight on Sportsnet 590. The fan, there's one more game. Uh in the series tomorrow, and then the Jays are back home to face the Los Angeles Angels. The Angels, by the way, uh, Arte Moreno announced yesterday that they are exploring selling the team. So, in other words, he is selling the team. We'll be joined by Maury Brown of uh, Forbes later on in the show to take a deep dive into that. Chipper Jones is going to do us in a few minutes. Ben Wagner, join us in a few minutes. Ben Wagner as well. Um, this is the standings after last night's game. The Yankees beat the Mets. They're 76 and 48, eight games ahead of Tampa Bay, eight and a half ahead of the Blue Jays in the wild card race right now. Tampa Bay is a half game up uh, in the first wild card spot. Toronto and Seattle are both tied, although again, the Mariners have played two more games than the Blue Jays. Baltimore's two and a half back. Uh, Minnesota's four back, and then you get the Chicago and, and Boston as well. I think the Jays, you can pretty much stick a fork in the Red Sox. after If you haven't already, you can stick a fork in the Red Sox. They're, after they're, this they're right there with the White Sox. Pretty much. Mm. The only thing keeping the White Sox alive is the division. fact that their division stinks. Um, eight runs in the third inning, all of them with two outs. Uh, do you want, to put the, uh, you want to put a bow in the pitching first? You sure? Let's put a ball. Well, in the no, pitcher. there's a guy that we should talk about. I'm not talking about him. <laughs> well, well, I'm not talking about him. I listen. John Schneider's got most of the stuff right. John Schneider made a colossal error last night. I almost wanted to text him in the middle of the game. Nine-one. You're not in the Kikuchi zone. You're just not with a nine-one lead. It's got to be nine runs minimum or an eight-run yeah. lead. You need a nine-run lead minimum. And you got to have less than two innings left. Did you see him throw a 3-0 slider I, to Frankie Cordero? No, because who's a left-handed hitter who hits eight. You mean is in it, the order? Was this? Was are you talking about the leadoff hitter who he walked on four pitches with a nine-one lead? He threw a 3-0 slider to a left-handed hitter. Do you think maybe he's Up just not that runs. smart? Do you see the camera that panned over to Pete Walker? Yeah, Pete Walker's thinking the score. The score was backwards. Maybe this guy's just not that smart, Kevin. That's a great question. No, I mean, I mean maybe he's not. And then you got David Phelps getting up, who's down there taking a nap, <laughs> thinking the game Jesus was over. Christ. And now you got to get loose with an eight-run lead. Yeah, it's a tough watch. I mean, I, look, when he gets it in the zone, there's no question. I mean, it's 97. Uh, you know, but I, it's, it's getting it in the zone. Yeah, it's just not consistent the... enough. I just don't know. Can we just not? Let's just not talk about him. I want to move on to the okay, hitting. Go. I'm tired of talking about you, say, Kikuchi. Okay. I really am. I just don't give a rat's ass anymore. <laughs> I, I really don't. Okay. I, I I just don't care. All right. He's, per, I wouldn't say persona non grata because he seems like a decent guy, but just enough. That That's embarrassing last night. It's almost unprofessional. Can't argue. Go ahead. Move it really on. is. Move on. Young, I'll tell you what, if it's a younger guy, guys, the the guys in AAA right the now. The only reason he's in the big leagues is how much they pay. I would send him yeah. down. He, he He's offered to go. I would send him down to AAA right now. Well, I know you can't because Zach Pop, you just sent him out. 
But yeah, I just you just leave him in the bullpen. You know, maybe he can go for go get coffee for the boys or something like that. They have somebody to do that. Well, they have coffee at the field. I know they do, but maybe they can maybe they can find something for Kikuchi to do. Keep him away from the sharp objects. Anyhow, uh, eight runs in the third inning, all with two outs. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Bat at bat, that slider, opposite field. There's a lot of stuff that happened in that inning, a lot of walks, et cetera, et cetera. But that that swing, that was like the spark that lit it. Give him, give, give the organization credit. Give John Snyder credit for flip-flopping Kirky and Lourdes. Yeah, give him credit. Like, you know, when when you see what you have right in front of you, a guy's having a special year for him who's doing things, who's made adjustments, who's carried this for long periods of time, and you want your best guys up front, and you want a little protection for a couple of dudes in the – the beginning of the lineup and to have a guy like that to come up, if he doesn't get the one, two double to right center field with two outs, what, what happens there? Like the game could be totally different because now, now all of a sudden it's sort of demoralizing when you make a decent pitch. Now that slider was okay. You could pitch sequence. See why you get throwing a three outs. I mean, after that, they, they threw uh, Kirky, a three, three slider to load the bases for, for uh, Te Oscar, which I just, I guess, I mean, is, is just one, Alejandro Kirk walks to the plate. He just instills fear. I, I, I get it. He's having a good year. I think when, you're if you're him a 3-0 slider. If like, you're Josh Winkowski right now, yeah, you're you're fearful of everything. I guess. I guess. Well, you maybe shouldn't be in the big leagues. Well, but yeah, Lord, that, a lot of that happened. Lord Lourdes is, you know, the things he's doing using his lower half, as quiet as he is, he lands closed, closed uh, enables him to keep the front side in to where he's not out and around does the casting thing. You know, he has long limbs and occasionally that gets away from his body. And when it gets away from your body, what do you do? Your swing gets weaker. Like the further away your hands get, if you're holding something, it's weaker. He wants to keep them closer together. And the best way he does that is to land closed. That way it's direction is to where he wants the, the barrel to end up. And for him to be able to have the finish that he has on everything. He hits it where it's pitched. If it's in, I pull it. If it's down the middle, I can pull it. I can stay inside it. I can hit it to right center. I can hit it at the middle. But he's putting barrel to everything in the strike zone. And he's doing that because he has a sound lower half now. It's And for him to be able to take that one-two slider and just backspin the you-know-what out of that thing and get a hit the way he does, again, give him credit that they said, we said this, he looks real good in the three-hole. But will they do it? And for them to do it and keep him there and understand that how he's doing this year and for him to go up and still have the at-bats as he's having, it's – I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch. You could watch guys who make adjustments in season and continue to feed off of it and just add little parts to it. Now it's about what you're swinging at, where you're trying to hit a certain pitch, right? If he's out and around that thing, that's a ground ball to short, innings over. Maybe they lose the baseball game. It's – I just right now they're rolling and it's good and they're and they're rolling because they got the right guys in the right spots and oh by the way you put that big boy leading off, man, <laughs> I don't I, they just look totally different like uh, the the hand strength that he has because I just mentioned about a, a sound lower half. George Springer doesn't always have that. I mean, he's off balance and he's fanny will be out, but he has such strong hands that he has that little last. You know, you can keep him back, and, and he's a little off balance, and he just has that little whack, that little end to it where he can get the barrel and just snap it enough that he can get. That's why you see him getting the cheap hits, the, the, the triple last night that he had. I mean, he jammed himself a little bit, but he just has that little whip to the end of it. And I'm mean, at special stuff. Like, they're, again, their lineup is 
What do you do? Like you mentioned it. When you have a guy on the mound who just doesn't really know who he is and if he, if he should be a big leaguer, and you have to face this, it's tough. Jays had five, uh, five players with two hits, one of them Jackie Bradley Jr., who made, I think we could say, a triumphant return to Fenway Park. It was a nice little uh, video presentation that the Red Sox had for him. Look, when Jackie Bradley Jr. joined the team, you know, there were a lot of people, oh, look at defensive run saved. Uh, he's no better than Bradley Zimmer. I, you know, and it's not, he's not a great offensive player. He's not having a great offense. I don't know, he's hitting 211, but he does have 21 doubles. And he's got three home runs. And he, you know, his, his decision-making in the outfield is what really, I think, what really sets him apart. You can just tell the guy's been there and done that. And you made an interesting point. I want you to tell, you, you made a point before we came in the air, and I want you to tell the listeners, but I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about it. But you also think there's something else that separates Jackie Bradley Jr. from, sure. Brad, from, from Bradley Zimmer. Well, I can sell JBJ to the fans and to my team that it's he warrants being on our team. He's been there and done it before. He's been down stretches and knows how to play good defense, hit the cutoff guy, and go to Fenway Park and play the ball off the green bar and hold it. Barehanding the ball off the wall. Keep a guy from scoring. Twice. On two occasions, he held base runners. Keep a guy from scoring. You could sell that. Like, you can sell him sitting over there for a couple days and hitting 211 and still giving you a decent chance. Bradley Zimmer's on this team. You scratch your head, why? Like I said, this is a team that's trying to win a championship. He's not going to be on this team. But you can sell this. You're okay with JBJ being on your team because of all the reasons I just said. And there's something to that. I said this about the Yusei Kikuchi thing. Like, forget about what we think about it. How do you sell it to your team to say every five days we're giving the ball? You can't. You can sell JBJ for being on your team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just by where he's been and how he looks and the way he plays the outfield. So, yeah, that, that for me is the difference. And, you know, he's a, he's a good base runner. He's a smart guy. And it sounds like he's a good teammate, which is all the things that a, a fourth outfielder needs to be. And with where they're at with George Springer, I know I'm okay with JBJ playing center. Yeah, I, I, I look at it this way. Unlike Bradley Zimmer, I can, start, I can start Jackie Bradley Jr. in a game I don't necessarily have to pinch hit for him. I don't yeah. necessarily have to pinch hit for him. He's hitting ninth. He's hitting yeah. ninth for a reason. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, it, those, those two plays he made off the wall uh, last night were, yeah, he's played a ton of games there. I get it. But that those are the types of plays you need to make in the postseason. You need to and, – and I do think that the postseason there is – you want to have guys that have been there before. You want to have guys that have had some success. That's why George Springer is so important to this team, and that's why I think a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, I'll just ask you, playoff game. I don't know. Pick pick a place, any any stadium. Who's got a better chance, do you think, of making a play? I'm not saying winning the game, but but just kind of making a play where you, you look back on it and go, that's boy, that's kind of a key point. That was a, a key part of the game. Bradley Zimmer, Jackie Bradley Jr. Probably Jackie Bradley Jr. Again, it's a little unfair to say that. Like, Bradley Zimmer was put in a position that wasn't fair to him. Well, like, he was I here mean, to catch the not, ball. He, that, it's that. not fair to him. Like, the, you you saw him offensively. Like, I don't need to break down his swing. Didn't look very good. Did, you look, did it look like he can get a hit? No. Uh, yeah. Didn't take a brain surgeon to figure out that, you know. <laughs> and and when you're not playing every day, you got to simplify things. you got to hunt certain pitches. you got to be short and direct to baseball. That's not his fault. Yeah. That's just the way it was. George Springer were trying to protect him and keep him healthy for September and hopefully late runs in October. So it, that's a – I get what you're trying to do here, but that is a little unfair for – I know everybody wants to jump on. That's easy. He's an easy 
point the finger guy at. No, I, the only reason I'm saying that is because I, when 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 the Jays went out and got Jackie Bradley Jr., there was a lot of oh he's no he's no better than Bradley Zimmer, and you know, and people were pointing at look at the defensive run saved. Now sometimes you got to look past. Especially, I think a lot of times with bench guys, you've got to look past the analytics. Experience and, just and, and sell it to your team. And they, they've just done do. Anyhow, uh, the Jays, 9-3 winners over the Red Sox. Jose Barrios tonight coming off that start at Yankee Stadium against Brian, Brian Bello of the Red Sox. It will be intriguing to see Barrios tonight after that start. He has another start like he had against the Yankees and is able to continue to incorporate mm-hmm. that slight mechanical adjustment. Kevin Gossman goes in Thursday against Cutter Crawford. And then they're home to face the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. A big weekend. Shohei Otani scheduled to pitch Saturday. There's also the celebration of the 92, the 30th anniversary of the 1992 World Series. Jay's team will have <coughs> several members of that team on the show, and, of course, they'll be all over the city uh, during the weekend. That could be a lot of fun. Manoa versus Otani Saturday. Place will be sold out. Secondary ticket market we're led to believe is humming right now. Um, As it should. As it should. That'll be a lot of fun. This will also be a lot of fun. Chipper Jones is a National Baseball Hall of Fame inductee. He's currently a hitting consultant with the Atlanta Braves. He joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The Fan 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. opportunity to uh, congratulate my wife Shelly for being married to me for 37 years today. What did you buy her? I hope it's something big. I, am I, have a, I have a tough time this two-hour show a day. I have to go home Can you and imagine think about drinking. Just, she's doing, she's willingly 37 hanging years. out with you. Yeah, And you said 37 minutes with me, with me is enough. You can't imagine 37 I years. I mean, it's something. There you go. I'm a loyal person. What can I say? I don't know who I'm supposed to congratulate. You or her? <laughs> I mean, anyhow, no. Thirty-seven years is a long well time. Done. Thirty-seven years is a long time, man. It's it's not a short time. No. Anyhow, you've been married a, a third of your year of your life. <laughs> Stop it. Let's bring in Chipper Jones, Atlanta Braves. Hitting consultant, friend of the show, National Baseball Hall of Fame inductee. Actually, friend of Mr. Barker to He's be He's a more. Hall of Famer. He's Say a Hall of Famer. I said oh. Hall of Famer. And <laughs> friend mean, of Barker's, which, you know. Well, I mean, he looked. Anybody that can write Chipper Jones and then put HOF under it is. That's pretty good. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Chipper, thanks for uh, taking time out to, uh, to, to join us today. As always, we appreciate your time. Um, look, the Atlanta Braves win the World Series last year. Got... A lot of good young players get Austin Riley locked up, uh, Olson locked up, all that good stuff. Then along comes Michael Harris, the second. Uh, uh, my first question is one: How good was Michael Harris the first? If this is Michael Harris, the second. But what can you tell us about him? Because he really has. Uh, he's he's 
he's one of the guys that's taken baseball by storm. He's a lot of fun to watch, and he just I, I watch him, and it's almost. I don't know if he's an old soul chipper, but it's almost like I'm watching a 31-year-old guy with, like, 10 years in the majors. Yeah, very poised kid. Thanks for having me on, guys, by the way. Uh, really enjoy talking to you all. But, yeah, Michael's, Michael's uh, he's playing well beyond his years. Very poised, uh, high baseball IQ, uh, just a, a, a diligent worker um he's out in the outfield you know power shagging uh fly balls and whatnot during batting practice he's getting his work in in the cage doing his work in the film room he's you know he he knows everything about that pitcher when he goes out there everything you would want and ask a young rookie to do he's doing it and you're seeing the results on the field and now you know Vaughn Grissom comes along and he's doing the same thing he's a little bit different temperament than than Michael Harris but uh, Grissom is more of an outgoing guy um, but the spark that these two have provided this ball club uh, over the course of the summer uh, I think, I'll say it right now it wouldn't be two games out I can promise you that if it weren't for those two kids it's interesting hearing you say that because it, there is still something, isn't there? In this day and age, everybody makes big deals. Everybody signs multi-year contracts, free agents and all that. There's still something about a dude that comes up from your organization and delivers at the big league, league level. There, there's still there's something about that that, you, that that I don't think you can replace by money, frankly. No, it's a tremendous sense of pride uh, from an organizational standpoint, uh, especially, I can promise you, you know, having worked in the front office and, uh, you know, uh, seen met these kids uh, when they got drafted and followed their development and, and now for them to be uh, realizing their dream uh, at the big league level and not only that, but being integral parts of what we hope is another championship here. Uh, it, it's just, it's really cool to watch. The Braves have kind of hung their hats, uh, you know, through the years on on being able to draft and develop. Uh, we haven't been able to spend the money that most big market teams are able to spend, and, and that puts a lot of pressure on the on the uh, scouts and the draft and development uh, guys down in the minor leagues to, to make sure that these guys are, uh, are battle-tested and ready uh, when they get to the big league level, and the Braves have done a, a tremendous job of that. Jeff, what's going on with Dan Swanson this year offensively? <laughs> yeah, it's been a cool transformation, kind of what we saw from, from Austin Riley last year. You know, really, really big cut down, and I know he got off to a fast start as far as strikeouts go, but you've really seen him cut his strikeouts down. And I... You know, I think it's it's just a matter of of a hitter getting to the point where he's like, you know, I'm tired of hitting 240 or 250. Uh, let's 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 think about maybe going the other way a little bit, and going foul pole to foul pole, putting the ball in play, you know, a little more. And uh, man, you're seeing uh, the results of that. That's all we did with Austin Riley last year. We just changed the sights. We got him thinking instead of, you know, trying to wrap the ball around the left field foul pole, we set our sights on right center field first. And all of a sudden, 
the strikeouts started going down, the walks started going up, on base percentage started going up, run production started going up, and you know it's amazing when the when the light goes on for for some of these kids how they how they take it and run. Jim, this is sort of a two-part question. In 2022 with the high-octane velocity, what's harder? Is it harder to pull a baseball or to let the ball travel and go the other way? And for Dansby Swanson, is that, you know, is that a lower half thing or is that pitch selection and you're saying early in counts, let's think I, I set into right center? Is that the sort of the process? Yeah, I think uh, letting the ball travel is something that these guys haven't done, you know, with launch angle and, mm-hmm. and hit the ball out of the ballpark and nobody, you know, nobody cares about strikeouts anymore. Um, you know, the focus is to the pool side. And I think once you change their sights on left one, you know, to the opposite gap, they have to let the ball travel, you know. Um, it's not a especially when you have these shifts and people throwing 100 miles an hour in on you, uh, it's it, it's hard to make that work, you know, sometimes. But the fact of the matter is, is you still have to be conscious of staying inside the baseball. So many good things, and when I say staying inside the baseball, I mean hitting the ball to the opposite field. So many good things happen when you do that. Things really get sideways when you start um, – you know, trying to pull the ball 100% of the time. I ask hitters all the time. I go, if I if I give you 10 pitches down the middle and you try and wrap it around the foul pole to the pull side, how many balls are you gonna are you gonna center? Most of the guys will tell you two, three, four. All right. Now, if I give you 10 pitches down the middle and I tell you to knock down the center field wall with it, how many are you gonna center? And, all of them say seven, eight, nine balls. I go, okay, then why would your approach in the game be any different? And then that's when it kind of it kind of starts to click for them. Chipper, we've talked a lot about Bo Bichette on this show, and, and my friend Mr. Barker made the point earlier, a couple of weeks ago, frankly, we were picking apart a swing and all this, and Kevin said, you know, maybe – I mean, maybe it's just one of those years. You know, Bose, he's not the worst player in baseball, obviously, but it's not he's not necessarily having the type of offensive year we expected. And I'm you're probably a bad guy to ask this because your career average, you were you were pretty consistent throughout throughout your career. That was one of your hallmarks. But is there something to be said for that for a player to just kind of look at things and go, you know, maybe it is one of those years, and I just got to go out and make sure I don't take it with me into the field, play good defense, do what I can do to help the team win, and then just kind of leave it at that. Is there is there something to be said for that, or is that something that maybe somebody who didn't play the game would look at? You know, and somebody who played the game's going, ah, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to accept the fact that I'm having a bad year. Hey, we all have those those outlier years that uh, that we want to forget. Um, you know, I, I, I had a season where I hit, two, I think, 245 in a season. Right, 2004. I was, you know, yeah. strugg- strugg- struggling with some, some injuries that I felt like I could play through and just I just never got in a groove. So we don't know where he's at. You know, physically, obviously, the physical can, can affect the mental from the, you know, from when I've watched Bo, he's, you know, he came on the scene and just 
you know, lit the house on fire, and now the league has seen him, and the league's starting to make adjustments. And I will say this. He has a very long swing with a lot of moving parts. So the, the peaks and valleys for him are going to be more extreme than somebody who whose mechanics are abbreviated compared to Bose. All right, so it's going to be inherent upon Bo to, to, you know, take a step back and, and look and see if there are some adjustments that need to be made because, you know, it certainly seems like the, the league is starting to adjust to him. But, again, you know, let's, let, let's give it a minute. Let's pump the brakes and, and you know, uh, give him – you know, give him some time to make those adjustments, get healthy if he's not, and, and get back on track. Because we, we know that, you know, from the bloodlines that uh, the hitting is in that family's TNA. I could promise you that. Yeah. Jeb, you know, uh, Albert Pujols is like, what, 693 homers. And we were thinking there's like 40 games left. What if he only hits like five more and it's 698 or, or 699? And, and I knew you were coming on. You're the perfect guy to ask this. When you were, you know, knowing that you were about to retire, was there a certain stat that you had that you thought, man, if I play one more year, maybe I can get that certain number. And on top of it, do you think if, say, Pujols, about 700, there's only been three people. Jeb, that you know, that have hit 700 homes. That's a huge number. And him being right-handed doing that is something special. Do you think that, you know, maybe he says, okay, if I got 698, maybe I come back and try and hit those two. And was there a number that you thought maybe I should come back and try and get that number? Uh, well, I'll answer the second one first. No, there, there really wasn't. I think when – when I made the decision to ride off into the sunset, that was it. I didn't feel my legacy had already been written, no matter whether I got 3,000 hits or had 500 homers. Now, I would have enjoyed uh, chasing those for the simple fact that, you know, I could have been I could have been the last national leaguer to do it in a non-DH lineup. You know, so um, that would have been pretty cool, you know, and being a switch hitter to do it as well, uh, you know, would have put me in rarefied air. But, Mark, man, I was I was, I was, was so tired. I was done. <laughs> I could not imagine going home and getting myself ready for another 200 games the following year. I was just, you know, my knees were killing me, my back, my neck, you know, I mean, feel like the, the guy from Friday who slipped and fell and, you know, in the aisle trying to get, you know, a lawsuit. Uh, it was just, that's the way it was for me. Now, for Albert, I don't know where he's at mentally. I don't know if if he's that guy that wants to hang around for that specific number. Um, he is, without a doubt, the greatest right-handed hitter that I have ever seen on a baseball uniform. I don't think I saw him take an off-balance swing for like 12 years. You know, it was just everything was perfect timing. Everything was uh, on balance. And uh, I'm going to be sad to see him go. I'm, I'm really happy to see him going out on a really, really positive note because he is swinging the bat extremely well right now. So I hope he gets it. 
in September. And then when the Braves play the Cardinals in the playoffs, he goes really, really cold. <laughs> That's all. Awesome. Ch- Chipper, thanks, <laughs> thanks for doing it, man. We appreciate yeah. your time. Be well. You're the best, man. We Take appreciate care. it. All right, guys. Y'all be good. Take it easy. Take care. It's Chipper Jones, Atlanta Braves hitting consultant, National Baseball Hall of Fame inductee. Chipper's last year, he played at 40. He finished with uh, 468 home runs. Yeah. And I wonder if he, like his last three years, he had 10 home runs and only played 95 games, 18 home runs in 126 games, 14 home runs in 112 games. I wonder if he was like 488, 498, chasing 500 Maybe. home runs. But with the the thing about Chipper, this, this tells you about Chipper. His last season, I said he played 112 games. Okay, he got 23 doubles, 14 home runs, 62 RBIs. He hit 287, which was his best average in four years. His OPS was 832, which was his best average in four years. So he went out, and he was an all-star. But he went out with a year that you could look back on and say it's it's not like he mailed it in or it's not like he played out the string. He was, sure, he did that as he a was switch a hitter, too. you, you got to remember that. Hitter, I mean, yeah. it's one side's moody, one side you don't get to use all the time. Yeah. You know, I've had conversations with him about balance and how do you keep both. You know, if you have a strong hand, you know, I talk about steering wheels all the time. That steering wheel, I, I you know, I'm a left-handed thrower, but I was a left-handed hitter. And that means your bottom hand, which is the right hand, is your steering wheel. Wherever that thing goes, everything else goes. And you've got to really work on that. And I had to do a lot of one-handed drills to try and make sure that it was close to my body and it had the late late snap to it just because I'm left-handed. Like, that was a big deal. And being a switch hitter sounds simple, but it's just the little things of, what goes into that and for the numbers? It's interesting to hear him talk about 3,000 and how many homers. You know, hits matter. When he played, that mattered. Like, you know, average mattered. And 2,726 hits. No question. So it was – and, know, and he, was, he said something about legacy. That that meant a lot to him, I believe. Well, he he thought he had done enough in his career. And what was the thing he was talking about, which I thought this, 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 this gets you inside the mind of an elite baseball player – we talked about, on the other hand, it would have been kind of cool to be the last National League hitter to sure. hit 500 home runs. So he's thought about it. So he's thought about no it. Question, exactly. No question. That's, that's why I knew when he was coming on I was going to ask him about exactly. that. But I, I hope Albert doesn't have to go through that. Albert's earned the right – because I'm with Chip. He's the greatest right-handed hitter I've ever seen walk on, walk on earth. I'm going to say it right now. I, I've never seen anybody – when you hear people like Chipper talk about line-to-line – yeah. And being a right-handed hitter, why do you want to switch hit? To give yourself a better chance to see the ball easier and lay off a secondary pitch. And if you're Albert Pujols and you put up the numbers that he's put up, being right-handed and face as many right-handed pitchers as he's faced, it's. I hope he doesn't have to think about it. I hope he gets. I hope it's 700. Maybe gets it the last week. He gets 700 and whatever he does after that, he can have fun doing it and all the pressures off. And it's yeah. kind of it's kind of cool to talk about though. Yeah, no, it's seven hundred's it, a lot, Jeff. I mean, most most is. big leaguers don't get seven hundred hits. He's talking about seven hundred homers. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. a lot of things got to go right. What do you think about Chipper talking about Bo? That was interesting about the. I mean, it's it something you talked about, and we've all talked about sure. with this with the swing and everything. But the moving parts thing was was one of you know we know how important Bo's swing is to him and how important it is to the Bichette family. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it his swing? I know what Chipper's talking about, and Chipper's right. It is long, and if you're going to swing at what you're swinging at, it has to be shorter and quicker and less. 
how do, how do I say it? Less out and around to it, more direct to it. Like when he kicks his leg, you're not so much thinking about all the stuff that he starts doing. It's what it looks like when he's finished doing it. And a lot of the times, up until lately, I mean, lately he's had the good finish with the lower half where he's not falling across the plate, so he's on balance. We'll tell you, you know, he even got the head out on a 95 yesterday. Yeah. Getting the head out on 95 is a little different. You even said this. You'd rather sometimes see him, instead of trying to inside out everything and hit it to right field, get the head out. Hit it where it's pitched. We talk about Lourdes yeah. doing that, and you can do it with balance on time with your lower half. What your feet do, your hands are going to do. And a lot of the times... With Bo, I, I guess it could be a little of that. But for me, when I watch him every single day the way I do, it's what he swings at. I mean, just to think that you can go up and, and be the hitter that you want to be, swinging at what you swing, I just don't know if that's possible. I mean, I, I think he thinks it can because that's why he does it. And I'm sure he's had conversations with his dad and everybody else. That, and even his dad that's been on this show has said that we don't want to take that away from him. But will a year like this, he goes home and stats don't lie, and, you know, they can break it down and make it sound special. But numbers are what they are when you're looking right at him, and maybe he'll think he needs to go home and make some adjustments, and hopefully he does, and he turns out to be the bow that we all think he can be. Oh, wants to get paid. It is. And you want to get paid like a big boy, you got to act like a big boy, and you got to hit like a big boy, and this he, year he hasn't been. But he, I got to say, he's looked a little more comfortable since being moved down in the order. Mm. You don't think so? You think you're you're seeing the same thing? Maybe yeah, I'm, maybe, yeah, I'm I just, maybe I'm just focused on the year, results, right? This year maybe I I'm looking at the results. This year I don't, don't think, think it, it has anything to do with where he hits in the order. Yeah. I think he needs to make an adjustment of what he swings at. And can he? I don't even know if he can. But we'll find out. Yeah. By the way, I was looking at uh, the Braves lineup. Harris is from Atlanta. Um, Dansby Swanson's from Marietta, I think. They've got a bunch of guys. You talked about how the Braves, and and, and I think I, I know this. I don't know if people here necessarily know this as much, but the power of the Braves as a regional brand in the South, the number of <clears throat> players in their team from the South, Mm-hmm. The number of players who probably would have grown up uh, seeing the end of Chipper's career, but knowing all about Maddox and Smoltz and Glavin. And, and sure. the, you know, those guys are always around, right? Mm-hmm. Smoltz is still on TV. Uh, mm-hmm. Glavin's on TV. Maddox to a lesser degree. But there's that real sort of Braves thing in that whole region. It's just a reminder, I think, of how deep of how important the Braves were to baseball in the South. No You've talked about seeing them because they I, people need her. TBS and TNT, Turner Broadcasting was like a regional powerhouse. This is before mm-hmm. we had satellite dishes where you could you could watch any game anytime. And TBS had Braves games on all the time. You used to get TBS in Winnipeg. You'd be watching Braves games. They really, the imprint they've made in the South, like that is almost... That's their hunting ground. To, well, to That's your, their hunting to ground. To your point, I used to watch Chipper just lamb based in the Mets on TV. <laughs> Which my he dad, loved my dad, doing. Oh, yeah, he, he loved hitting the he Mets. Loved that. And then I got an opportunity to meet him, and now, you know, I get to talk yeah. to him. Not, not, not all the time, because I don't abuse that. It's not, it's not what I do and who I am. But it's, I'm able to, you yeah. know, if I have an idea and I, and I think of something about 
the offensive side of the ball, what it takes to be a great hitter, I can throw it at him and, and, and you know, just have the conversation. And me being able to grow up watching that yeah. and now actually being able to talk to him on a cell phone, it's Can you imagine, can you mean, imagine awesome, you're, you're a kid from Atlanta and you're going right. into the cage and uh, there's Chipper. It's, uh, listen how simple he made it sound. By explaining it, anybody can understand it. If I throw you 10 balls yeah. right down the middle and I, I tell you to pull all 10 of these, how many ball? How many of those ten do you think you can square up? And they said three or four. It sounds so simple, but the, if you actually got in a cage and thought about direction and how direct, and just thinking about how can I get barrel to baseball all the time, mm -hmm. and all I have to do is think about mindset of I want the ball where I want the ball to end up, and that sometimes is going to direct my lower half and connect my upper half and have the barrel ending. I always say this, don't look how they start, look how they finish. That tells you everything you need to know. Is it balance and is it effortless? And if those two things are happening, and if you're a good hitter and you have all the things that it takes to be a good hitter and you swung at your pitch, most of the time the ball should go where you want it to go. And just listen to him talk how simple he made that sound. Because sometimes, you, again, you they can make it too overwhelming. You can come in, I'm sure they did. The Braves are no different. Come in with a big sheet of everything of how hard you're hitting and where you're hitting and all these numbers that throw into it. And to have a Hall of Famer just walk up and say it just like that makes it sound so simple. And then you can work off that and feed off that. And having Dansby Swanson think about right center. Sounds simple, but to actually have a guy buy into it. And, I mean, it's pretty awesome. It's awesome for the Braves to have a guy like that that they can that actually wants to do that and be a part of it. Pretty cool. Uh, we're not going to have, have an opportunity to talk about this for the rest of the show. I do want to talk about Justin Verlander. <laughs> uh, coming out after six innings and um, six hitless innings. There's 91 pitches. That, 91 that, that for me is where your team's at, uh, where your team wants to go. Well, he was talking and, about this. And how, how much that one guy exactly. means to where your team needs to go. He said I ten, mean, makes total sense. 10 years ago, I would have. No question. I, I would Makes not total like that. sense. Uh, he has got wins don't matter, but he's sixteen and three. He's got an ERA of one eighty seven. They only don't matter Pitchers to you. Wins and, don't matter. Unless he's got I mean, a one throwing. Anyhow, he's got an ERA of one eighty seven. But it was interesting hearing him talk about how he realizes he's in uncharted territory here, talking about his surgery at his age. Then he also said that he thought that's some of the best stuff. That, that was the best stuff he's had all year. And it was one of his best games that he's pitched. Uh, you know, this, this guy's uh, Captain Obvious here. He's putting together a really, he's putting together a, a remarkable year. Like yeah, th yeah, this, this is a, this talk, is beyond just a really good year for we Justin. We talk Verlander. about Albert Pujols being the greatest right-handed hitter. Where does he rank in greatest pitchers well, he's you've ever seen? Getting up there. I mean, I mean, you, you think about greatest and you think about if you had your life depended on it, you have to give one guy the ball. Boy, like it would be real tough not to give it to him. I mean, it'd be real tough. Yeah. One game. Like one. I can't think. All I mean, your I, chips I'm, in the middle of the table. I'm sitting one here game. thinking. Yeah, he, he would probably hear. I was going to say here, here. DeGrom, because you know DeGrom's not going to give anything up. But it'd be it'd be one of those two. 
maybe maybe Scherzer to a degree, although I kind of the Grom and Verlander to me are on a little different levels. Uh, if we call it a playoff game and I have to win, then Verlander's the guy. Verlander's getting the ball in any playoff game. Any playoff game. Got to win. Any playoff the, game. The great, the great ones for me separate themselves of when they throw secondary pitches. Like, they can throw it any time. It doesn't matter. Bases loaded, 3-2 count. If I need my slider to strike somebody, I'm throwing it. That's that's the upper end handful of guys and then everybody else. And Verlander's one of those guys where there's he's so unpredictable about when he throws it, where he throws it, and how much he throws it. That, And then he's got that little extra gear that he's told Alec Manoa about, <laughs> about that, you know, I don't have to use it, but when I got it and when I need it, you're going to get it, and that's pretty – it's just, again, I was wondering that when I was watching the game last night with him throwing. Where, where – if I want, if I needed one game, would I give him the ball? Yeah, it would be, it's be tough to give the ball to somebody else. It it, it really is. It, it, no matter I, what I lineup, le- all left-handed lineup, all right-handed lineup, Yankee Stadium with the short porch. Remember, he he pitches in that little short porch in right field and yep. doesn't seem to bother him. Like, he's not changing anything. He's not pitching around that. My best stuff is my best stuff. You're getting it. And, of course, we already know Justin Ver- Verlander has, it, it. has admitted that don't Jays were the, uh, the runners-up for services oh. this year. I'm just it. saying when you get a guy saying it because every you everybody it. it doesn't take anything for a general manager to tell you yeah we're right in in this guy you roll your eyes well if you're right in on him why didn't you finish the deal and get it signed but when a player comes out and says yeah they were right in on it I mean I almost got the sense that it wasn't a matter of money it was probably familiarity with Houston and everything but man oh man Oof. think about that can you imagine Justin Verlander mentoring Alec Manoa Alec Manoa Maybe being so. able to pick his brain Every day. It'd be something. For me, Every he's, day. he's the reason why they're going to win the World Series. That's just me. Yeah. Well, he's you, the reason. I, I, mean, I think they, the, they, big, the big separator between them and, and the Dodgers is their one, one Astros and horses are ready. And not, and not somebody yeah. else. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I would love, I'd love to see a Dodgers-Astros World Series. Me too. The, the baseball would be off the charts. Uh, there's a bunch of storylines. I get all that. But just in terms of the baseball. It, Best team in the American League for me. Best best team in the National League for me. Well, I mean, I'm getting all fumbly because yeah, we just had fumbled. Chip around here, and I didn't want to say not the break. I know. Because he might be listening. Normally, you're better holding your ball like that. than You, you don't normally really? drop them like that. Well, really? you do. You've always got the ball in your hand. I do. And normally, you don't drop it. You, you're very comfortable with it. Uh, ben Wagner is the radio voice of the Blue Jays. He is in Boston. He'll have the call of the game tonight, game two of this three-game series. Ben Wagner joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and wherever you get your favorite podcast.